Uh, very good morning. Uh, welcome to you all. Wonderful to see you and everybody watching online as well. If we've not met, I'm Archie and I'm married to Sam and we lead the church together. And from time to time, I hope it's not too pompous or presumptuous uh, for me just to take a Sunday to speak to us as a whole community about what I believe that God might be saying to us in this season. And so a couple of months ago, we looked at carrying each other's burdens and then being a jar for Jesus. And then we looked at breaking the scarcity mindset. And today, today I want to talk about resilience, but real resilience. No one needs reminding that we live in testing times. Uh, do, you, do you remember when we uh, used to be thinking about the new normal as though it was going to be an end point to all the change and the churn that we were going through? And now, of course, what we're discovering is that churn and change is the new normal. And we are finding that we just have to get used to living with higher uncertainty and levels of vulnerability than we've been used to. And yet, I was, uh, Sam and I were out for dinner with friends on Thursday night, and one of them was saying that actually they think this is quite an exciting time to be alive and to be a Christian and to be part of a church. Because when authority drains from, I don't know, politics, government, big business, when authority drains away from those things, then people begin to look for an authority in their lives that is outside of this world, something that is of true eternal value and security, a lot like Jesus. And in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 17, we have, well, the big news story of the day in 1 Samuel 17 is that the people of God, the Israelites, under the command of King Saul, are up against it. Their world is full of chaos and crisis. They are fighting a battle against their enemy, the Philistines. Actually, they've beaten this enemy before. But now the rules of the game have changed because up against them is a particular warrior called Goliath. And in the face of this giant, the people of God are shrinking back. They've become overcome by fear and anxiety. And among those fighting are three brothers. They've left at home their father while they've gone to the battlefront, and also a younger brother who's the family shepherd. His name is David. And one day, the father says to his youngest son, David, go to the battlefield to see how your brothers are getting on. And so David packs up 10 loaves of bread and 10 cheeses, like a kind of biblical deliveroo. <laughs> and uh, off he sets uh, to see how his brothers are doing on the battle line. Let's read a little bit of that story from 1 Samuel 17. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse, his father, had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry, 
the Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked how his brothers, how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. David asked the men standing near him, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. And what David said was overheard and reported to King Saul, and Saul sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David goes up to the battle line, and when he gets there, he cannot believe his eyes. He can't understand why the army of God, the army of the living God, are shrinking back from the culture and the world and the problems that they're facing in some kind of fear and anxiety. I mean, sure, there's a big guy who's coming out to threaten them, but have they any idea who's backing up their act? They've got God on their side. And his brothers tried to cancel him. Why are you here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? In other words, what do you know, little bro? Ever felt intimidated? Have you? Patronized? by the media, by culture, even by people around us, uh, tried to be bullied out of your faith. And David won't stand down. He says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. It's uh, my favorite example, I think, of speaking truth to power. Now, we have to decide who's right here. So either David is like, he's like so naive. He like lives in a bubble. He's not really like in the world. Um, he's got his head in the cloud, so he really doesn't know how this world works. Or it's the brothers um, who have lost a grasp of reality. And though they think they know how these things are, they've kind of just lost the plot because they've forgotten their bearings and what really truly matters and is true in this world because they've taken their eyes off the power of God and allowed themselves to be intimidated by the circumstances and the culture that are all around us. You have to decide who's right. History tells us that actually it's David who is right. He's the one who has a firmer grasp on reality than the brothers. 
because he goes on to fight and defeat this giant. And why is he able to do it? This is the thing I want you to hear. It's because while his brothers, the rest of the army, have been spending time with the problem, looking at the problem of the world around, getting absorbed and consumed by this huge problem in front of their eyes. I mean, no wonder they're afraid. It's like they've been defeated before they've even started. But David has taken himself away. David has removed himself from the unbelief of the culture all around him. And he has been spending time not not looking at the problem so much, but looking at the living God. Getting absorbed and consumed by the living God. And so now when he comes to the battlefield, he brings a whole perspective, which is what I would call real resilience to the circumstances and the events that he is facing. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because this is your life. Your life consists of physical events, circumstances, things that happen to you. Then it exists within that, uh, your feelings, which we might call your soul, the place of your emotions, what you think, what you feel about your circumstances and the events on your life. And then within that is your spirit, which is your heart. It's who you really are. It's the deepest place of your identity and your desires. It is your core. Everybody lives life in one of two directions. You either live your life outside in, or you live life inside out. Let me explain. It's raining. I feel grumpy. I'm not really myself today. It's sunny. I feel happy. All is well in my world. More seriously, there's a cost of living crisis. My job is under threat. I feel really afraid and anxious. I am not at peace at all. I said something, did something with a friend that I regret. I feel guilty about that. I'm carrying this sense of shame and guilt in my heart. When you become a Christian, you are given a new spirit, a new heart, 
the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you, to energize you and to give you the power and the strength to live not outside in, but inside out. I am created by God. Although I might lose my job, I still believe he has perfect plans for me. That's my core identity. That's who I am as a child of God, created by him. Therefore, I do not need to collapse in anxiety. I can still be at peace even in the cost of living crisis. Because of Jesus, I am forgiven. I make mistakes, but I don't need to feel always guilty about that mistake because I know that he has dealt with it. I bring to my world a life that looks like freedom. I am a child of God. He loves me deeply. I don't need to make choices or retreat from life because of fear. Because in the core of my being, I am secure. David lives from the inside out. I spend time looking at God. He is the living presence in my life. I am absorbed and consumed by him. I feel confident, not in myself, but in God's presence with me. I am now on a battlefield, but God is my victor. The point is, you, me, everyone online, you can be like this. You can approach your earthly, worldly, real, as it is life, let's not kid ourselves, but with a spiritual vision. To confront the challenges that are all around us with a bold, creative approach that is rooted in the presence of God. And this, I think, is why my friend said on Thursday when I saw him that this is why it's an exciting, potentially an exciting time to be a Christian and to be in the church. Because we are never relevant when we mirror the culture of the world around us. But we are relevant when we live the kind of life that our world longs for. What Mark Sayers says, we, the church needs to be, is a non-anxious presence in an anxiety-ridden world right now. Jesus is the desire of nations, and he lives in you. Who wants to be an influencer? Then the New Testament says, sow to the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. 
live in the Spirit. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do is an overflow of your heart. Christ at your core is your life's powerhouse and London's best hope. Finally, let me finish with this. There was a little line in that scripture that I read. It said that David ran to the battlefield. Can you imagine being the kind of person who runs towards the world's and the life's problems right now? I believe that God is calling us at HTB to be in this season a church that does not take a backward step, that does not retreat or hunker down until whatever storm is past, but will be a church, you and me, who run towards the battlefields. And what battlefields is God talking to you about running towards? I mean, is it something that we've been talking about even this morning? I mean, love Christmas. Can you imagine running at the battlefield of people's anxiety and lack of peace and fear through giving them, bringing them bags of hope all over London? Come and pack a bag with us. Friday night, Saturday morning, on all our sites, you can find out how. What's your battlefield? Is Is it running towards the battlefield of homelessness? vulnerability on the streets. You could be involved with the night shelter that we're opening. What a privilege, what an amazing thing that with these extraordinary spaces that we can open them up and take people who would otherwise be sleeping rough on the street. But you know, battlefields are like everywhere and anywhere. That's why I love what Tom Jackson, one of our team's doing, this initiative called Workplace, this new ministry that we've launched this term. Because it's helping people who are whatever sphere of your week, Monday to Saturday, when you're not, we're not often in these four walls, frankly, but we are in the real world. So connecting people who are, I don't know, stage and screen or healthcare or education or in finance or whatever your part and helping us to run at whatever battlefield is in front of us. And we've got our own carol services here. But I love it that for the first time this Christmas, as well as doing the carols in the building at Brompton Road on the weekend of the 10th and 11th, then we're also taking carols out into London. We've taken, we're hiring a 1400 venue in North London called Coco. And when somebody said carols at Coco, I thought they said carols with Coco. It's a hot chocolate. I thought that, now that is a really innovative approach for London, I thought. But it's not cocoa, it's cocoa, cocoa. And we're going to fill that venue and sing praises to Jesus at Christmas in the middle of this amazing city on that date. You know, there's battlefields in our culture. I find every moment of every day A few weeks ago, I was up in Nottingham, which is like in the uh, middle part of the UK. And I had to get from where I was staying to the train station to get a train back to London really early. 
in the morning and I took a taxi. When I got to the station, the taxi driver, I asked for a receipt uh, for the journey. And he said, would you like to fill in the amount yourself? Which, as you know, is a, a common way of being able to fiddle and make up your own expenses. So I said, no, please, you, you write it. So as he was writing out the amount on the receipt, I said, do you always do that? He said, yeah, I just figure it's some whatever people want to do. I said, I think that's a really bad idea. Because I said, I, I'm a Christian, but I tell you, because it's early in the morning, and just for a moment, I was not quite fully awake, you almost got me for half a second. <laughs> but imagine, I mean, you must do, what, 30 rides in the day of people? You ask them that every time. Can you imagine what you're sowing all over this city in Nottingham every day by doing that? And he said, well, whatever. It's just up to people, isn't it? It's integrity, grace, love. It's all battlefields. It's a bit like when you, <laughs> do you ever come up from South Ken Underground? <laughs> when people are walking down. And like you're sort of thinking, I'm sure I'm, I think I'm on the right way, down, up. But my goodness, it's, I feel like I'm completely going the opposite direction to everybody else. And I think life with Jesus can sometimes feel a bit like that. And that's why I've called this message real resilience. Because you know, resilience is not a word you'll find in the Bible. Nowhere in Scripture are we given stamina and grit and pull it together as the answer to anything? It's the crucified Jesus who is risen. Jesus triumphs through his wounds. It's his power in weakness, the same power that he had in weakness that you can have. Which means, of course, that anybody gets to play. Jesus living in you is always the answer. It's never like I'm Teflon. I get through life with nothing sticking to me. No, no, no. Jesus living in you is always the answer. Living inside out, going deeper in your core, in your heart, in your gaze, in your expression, in your love in your absorption of Jesus in your heart is always the answer. Let's let the secret be the secret of God's presence in us. Let's root ourselves in the reality of God's presence in us and live with real resilience from the inside. Let, let's let the power and the beauty and the goodness of Jesus set the parameters for how you approach the circumstances of your life towards the evangelization of the nation and the revitalization of the church and the transformation of society. Amen.